So we're going to have four different people share a little bit about their story, about their life. Uh, the first person will be Andrew Gosen, and, and, and he um, is a missionary kid, so part of my heart goes out to him with that because uh, I grew up the same way. And then after Andrew, it will be Julie Walker. So Andrew, would you come on up, please? Good morning, church. So uh, when Mark asked me if I would share, um, I had been for a while meditating in uh, Paul's epistles to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. And the verse came to mind in towards the end of Second Timothy, uh, ver, chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul is, it's kind of his, you know, towards the end of his life, and he, I, this statement shows up. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And I, I really enjoy that verse, and... Um, I am richly blessed to come from a Christian family, and I have many great examples of people who have done exactly that. One that sticks out is my grandpa, Gosen, um, passed away about two years ago, but was a missionary in Brazil. He fought the good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. Um, and, you know, it's a super great encouragement to me. Um, over Christmas, this last Christmas, I uh, had the opportunity to go back to Brazil, uh, visit friends, family. It was a great time. And there were there are several people that I got to reconnect with who are doing just that, fighting the good fight, keeping the course, keeping the faith. And it was really encouraging um, to see people that I had known growing up keeping doing that. At the same time, it was really discouraging because I had, at that point, there were several people who I really respected who quit fighting the fight, who quit running the race, who did not keep the faith. And that was just, it's heartbreaking, continues to be. Um, you know, there were people here in the States that I really looked up to. Um, it was, you know, it was discouraging. And so I was kind of thinking through that um, this past couple of weeks. And this last week, um, I had a kind of a long week, a lot of traveling. And I was driving back from Oklahoma, and I was physically tired, right? So... If you're like me, when you get tired, you get discouraged, and you're like, oh, man. And I was thinking about this verse, and about the last thing I wanted to think about or hear was fighting and racing, because I was tired. And But then God brought this verse to mind in Matthew 25, 21, and I'm just going to quote the first part of it, and it's the, the parable of the talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And that was a real encouragement to me, because... I, you know, if I hear a good job from my boss, it makes my day. It almost makes my week. I mean, that's amazing, right? My dad, if he says, good job, son, I mean, that just, that makes it. Imagine hearing from the creator of the universe, well done, good and faithful servant. Some translations put it, well done, good and faithful slave, which is apt. I'm nothing but a slave to him. But to hear that, well done, good job, son, from God Almighty. And so... That's been a challenge to me these last couple of weeks, and it's also a challenge to you. Fight the good fight, finish the course, keep the faith, so that we can hopefully say like Paul in the next verse, verse 8, And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Thank you. Good morning. Ah, what a beautiful day. I'm all emotional from the beautiful testimonies of faith here. 
Um, so I'll try to get through mine. <laughs> um, I just have some thoughts that I wrote down that I'd like to read for you this morning. I'd love to begin with telling you about when I gave my life to Christ and how he's continued to work in my heart till that day, till today. I had the privilege of growing up in a loving Christian home and was introduced to Christ at a very young age. When I was nine years old, I heard the pastor preach about asking Jesus in your heart, and I decided I wanted to do that, which I apparently had done many times to get out of service. So mom was like, are you sure? Okay, let's go. Um, But mom did take me back um, into the church library, and we prayed together. And I, I still remember the warm sun streaming through the stained glass windows and the smell of the musty books as we sat and prayed at that little tiny table with those little tiny chairs for the kids. And when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I will never forget. It was as if a heavy, heavy load had been lifted off my shoulders, a burden that I didn't even know was there, even at nine. I know that that was the true moment in my heart that I gave my life to Christ, but I would become fearful after having done wrong, and I would feel like I have to ask Jesus into my heart over and over and over again. And that's kind of one of the best ways that I can describe my testimony, which is like a back and forth of believing that his grace was sufficient for me. Through the years I've struggled with accepting God's grace for myself. I have always believed his grace was good enough for everyone else. But for me, I felt too wrong or too sinful. And I knew intellectually that the Lord forgave me, but I was sure it was a disappointment to him. And as I've grown... As God has continued to work in my heart, I can see his loving hand on my life over and over. And it started in my home as a small girl. In our home, like any other home, we had struggles and trials. We were all broken people. But what happened after those trials? My parents would turn Back to the Lord. After the tears, and sometimes many tears, would come prayers and forgiveness. And over and over and over again, I watched as trials came. But my parents continued to turn to God through it all. looking back, I can see how that has molded who I am today. And now that I'm a parent and I feel deeply my own shortcomings and my failures, God is using that example that they showed me. That it isn't perfection he expects. It's not perfection. Because he is perfect. And it isn't our sacrifices but a heart that seeks him again and again after falling. 
God has known me as his child from the moment I said yes to him in my heart, but I feel I'm just beginning to understand who I am in him. And I can trust him because he loves me. And I am not just a big disappointment to him. He will do the work in me, in us. And I believe that because he has promised in his word that he will. And I'll end with this. <laughs> Hebrews 12:2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so the next two folks are going to share with us are Kelly um, Johnson and um, Daniel Pikey. I don't know that I've ever heard Daniel speak, or Kelly for that matter, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I just wanted to share a little bit about God's faithfulness in my life in a very specific period of time. Um, a little background, when I was six, I prayed to become a Christian, understanding the gospel as best as I could as a child. As a teenager, I felt called to be a missionary overseas. I went to college, um, got a degree in Christian education with a Bible minor, and then I went to nursing school. While I was working as a nurse, I approached a mission board and told them I'm a nurse. Um, These are my set of skills. Could you use me overseas? And they said, sure. How about somewhere in Central Asia? (laughs) Which to me was not, uh, not on my radar. Um, But it was a war-torn country where a lot of people were suffering. They had not heard the gospel very much. Um, So I said, sure, if that's that's where you can use me, God, I'll go. So Paul says, He became all things to all men, that he may by all means save some. And for me, that meant dressing like the women in this culture including long pants, long sleeve tunic top over the pants. When I stepped out on the street, it was a long black cloak on top of all of that, and then a headscarf. And at times when security was unstable, I was asked to wear a burqa. And it felt to me like putting on a prison. It was hard to submit and do what was needed um, to be on the same level with these women. But God is faithful to do what he calls us to do and what we cannot do on our own. Um, One small example, as I struggled to give thanks for my headscarf and the 115-degree heat, he decided to help me by letting a pigeon poop on my head. (laughs) And my first thought was immediately, thank you, God, for this headscarf. My work included six months of language learning, after which I trained nursing students at a local hospital. My second year there, I opened a gym for women, where I mentored a local lady how to run it for profit, and ended up teaching aerobics there every day. Many days, my coworkers and I had tea with the women, where we would sit on cushions on the floor and listen to their stories amidst many tears. One woman said, God must hate me. I said, what makes you say that? She said, because he made me a woman. And my heart broke. 
This was a culture where many people saw women as less than a dog. And prayerfully, I started telling her stories from the Bible about how God used Esther, a young lady, to save all of his people when all hope seemed lost. Lost. And I told him about when Jesus, the Messiah, rose from the grave. You know the first people he showed himself to? A group of women. And these ladies were amazed. They had never heard these stories. And they'd cry and say, so he really cares about me? And I'd say, yes, he does. Submitting to God meant obedience uh, for me even going. It was hard when I was raising support and sharing with people in different churches about me going to Central Asia as a single lady. Some people said, I don't think you have any business being over there. I'm not going to support you. Other well-intentioned people said, why would you go there? It's much safer here. Someone, more than one person said, you'll never find a husband over there. You should stay here in the States and get married. Be happy. (laughs) But I went because I knew that's what God called us to do. And safety doesn't depend on a location. It depends on God alone. A couple examples. My roommate and I were getting ready to walk around the block to our office. And as we were standing in the door, we were running a few minutes late. She was, um, it just took her a little bit longer to get ready. But we heard an explosion. And that wasn't uncommon in this city. But it was much closer than the explosions we had heard before. And a minute later, I got a phone call from our director saying somebody put a bomb right across from our office and detonated it as I was walking to work. You guys are on lockdown. Stay at home today. And she and I looked at each other, and we used humor to deal with stressful situations and kind of chuckled. But if she had been ready on time, we would have been there. And God knows that, and it's no thing for him to protect his people. It's nothing to make somebody late to save someone's life for his purposes. A month after that, my house caught on fire. And I remember just the stress of living in this dry and weary land of day after day learning new rules that I needed to obey and follow. It was really, really hard for me. And after my house caught on fire... I was on my knees praying, and I looked up from my bed, and I read the verses that Brad had read this morning in Psalm 62. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. This hope in Him is why I was there. How could I keep it to myself? What if no one had ever shared God's word with me? I say this humbly. Um, I was there two years, went back to the States for a three-month furlough, ran into Josh, whom I had dated eight years previously. I thought we would continue long-distance dating. And um, he said, no, I'm not interested in dating you. I want to marry you. (laughs) So that changed my plans. Um, We were able to go back to this country. Um, and visit after we were married and introduce him to all the ladies that I had worked with and loved on. But um, God's faithfulness is bigger than we can imagine. It's nothing for him to do the impossible. And so one verse I cling to for hope is Psalm 1611. Thou will make known to me the path of life. 
In thy presence is fullness of joy, and in thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, this isn't um, this isn't exactly the uh, kind of microphone I'm comfortable in front of, but we'll see how this goes. Um, so, I've had a lot of uh, new experiences over the last few years. Of course, um, our son Julian is getting starting to get pretty close to three years old, which is crazy. Elliot's uh, coming up on one year old. Sorry, I'll speak up, guys. Um, but uh, but we've just been so incredibly blessed and fortunate, and. Um, uh, it's been such a joy to see them grow and experience the world through their eyes a little bit. Guys, do you want me to use um, my headset mic or I can get closer to this one? All right. They've got it. They're good. They're good. Thanks, guys. So, of course, everything also makes me think about um, just the incredible blessing and privilege I have in uh, my parents, too, and um, everything uh, that they've done for me and the wisdom that they've shared with me. Um, and of course, there's been plenty of challenging things over the last couple of years also, uh, some difficult things, a few short nights, a few long nights. Um, it's been a, a couple things going on in, in the world uh, around us that, uh, that haven't made a lot of sense to me. And... Um, it's always uh, incredible to open up God's Word with something on our mind and uh, and find um, that what we read perfectly answers what we're thinking about at that time. And sometimes that does happen, uh, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes I might open up God's Word feeling a little confused and put it down feeling a little confused. Um, so there have been uh, two things that have helped me to kind of work through things. Uh, that I may not understand completely. Uh, one is uh, going to books like Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or some of the Psalms, um, reading some of the uh, uh, some of the perspectives, um, the the honest thoughts. Um, also reading verses like uh, "Lean not on your own understanding, uh, or be not wise in your own eyes." The other thing that helps me process through some stuff is music. Um, so uh, one thing I've been trying to do for a little while is uh, write a song. And I've had various levels of success with that, um, but I've been working on it since um, uh, since last fall. I was uh, attending an online uh, conference um, that Keith and Kristen Getty were putting on. So... Um, Anyway, um, it's not much and it's not finished, but, uh, but I'd like to share what I have so far. And um, I've already been blessed to get some great input from Kathy Beck about it and looking forward to uh, getting some more feedback from some other folks. And um, maybe the, the lyrics and the melody might, uh, might change over some time, but uh, this is what I've got so far. Lord, we seek 